kind of had a dilemma today. Uh, it's the day when we uh, celebrate the graduation of our uh, graduates. And it's also Memorial Day weekend. And so you kind of have two things going on here that are both really, really important for us to, to think about. And so I am going to uh, seem to be more on one side of the ledger today than on the other, but, but I think we need to remember that, uh, all and, and they're all young ladies, I don't know, did we ban guys from the youth group? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, all these young ladies that are graduating uh, have graduated in a free country uh, that was bought with a price. They've graduated in an environment where they had freedom of religion that was bought with a price. They have graduated in an environment that uh, they can pretty much make their own decisions. And those freedoms have been bought with a price. And so I'm going to talk today a little bit about some history and about how we got to where we are. Because we as Americans are really bad about that. We are really, really bad about remembering. We think about now and we think about tomorrow. But we don't think about the past. And there is absolutely no way for us to get around the, the reality that our present is greatly shaped by our past. Uh, Jim Valvano, the coach of uh, North Carolina State Wolfpack, when they beat uh, you know, Phi Slamma Jamma in uh, the, the finals many years ago, uh, as many of you know, um, uh, he uh, contracted cancer, and um, he uh, eventually died of cancer, and the, and the Dickie V Foundation has come up because of uh, his fight against cancer. Well, um, not many days before he died, he spoke at uh, an ESPN awards banquet, and he said something that I think I want us to start by thinking about today. He said, every single day, you need to laugh. Every single day, you need to be moved to tears. And every single day, you need to really think. And if you do those three things, you have, you have experienced a full day. And I want you to think today about what we talk about. If you let your emotions get to you, you may be moved to tears because when you think about the great sacrifices that have been made just so we can meet here today the way we do, it, it's, it's overwhelming. I remember several years ago, I was uh, at the uh, American Cemetery on, uh, off the beach of Normandy saw those thousands and thousands of rows of crosses and, and, and stars of David. And uh, the great sacrifice, all of those young men that did not come home because they were fighting for freedom. That, that sort of thing can overwhelm you. And you know what? It's okay if it does sometimes. Because we forget. We forget. We're not good about remembering. I want you to think. I want you to be moved, you know. And, uh, and, and I want you to, to, to think about how fortunate you are uh, that you live in the United States of America on this Memorial Day weekend. You know, here again, we're, we're not good about remembering in our country. We think about now. We think about the future. But to truly know who we are, we must know where we've come from. I think it's interesting that I am standing today in the oldest continuous church in Collin Association, Liberty Baptist Church. A great history, a great 
heritage that you have. Now, I would bet, I thought, you know, I'm always thinking weird thoughts. And, and I was thinking, what about the people that met here in the, you know, the 1860s or 70s, if they just showed up today, that they would be a little surprised about the way we dress, about the form of our music, about all those other things. Hopefully, they would recognize that we preach from the Word of God, you know, still do that. But but life changes, doesn't it? And And please, before I get started, this is not a message today that is asking us to go back to a certain form or a certain style. We're not talking about form and style. We're talking about substance here. We're talking about the substance of freedom, the substance of real faith, the substance of, of having the ability to to choose how you will live your life and how you will serve your God in the way that you choose to serve him, not being compelled, not being uh, forced by some outside entity in how you are going to live your life or serve your God. And those, those things are very, very uh, important. Now, we're going to look at several things today, but our scripture today is found in John 15, starting with chapter, I mean, uh, with verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, when the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Love each other. Are you a loving person if you don't love? Are you a follower of Jesus if you don't follow his commands? Does it make a difference how we live our lives? Or can we just label ourselves something and, and, and say that that's true, whether our lives reflect that or not. I know if you're like me, in our society today, somebody will say, well, you know, this is true, and, and I'll believe it's not true, but, but it doesn't make any difference what the evidence is. If they said it's true, it's true. And, well, we're going to look at that today as well. We have a great heritage as Americans. Did you know that? And here on this Memorial Day weekend, I know I, I live in a neighborhood can I say it? I live in a neighborhood of old people, okay? I do. I live in a neighborhood of old people. My, my fiance decided she wanted to, 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 to buy a house in, a, in an area that, that all the houses look like old houses. Now, they're not old houses, but they look like old houses, okay? They're, they're supposed to look like they're 1920s, 1930s and stuff. And guess who likes to live in those houses for the most part? Older folks, right. And so, you know, and, and guess what I found? Older folks are patriotic, because I've recently moved and because everything is a mess and all that, I don't have an American flag. I think I'm the only one in my whole neighborhood that doesn't have an American flag on his front yard this morning, okay? But, but, but we have a great heritage as Americans, and we don't need to forget that heritage. 1776 uh, founded a country on the premise that, that men should live in freedom. 
We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Now, you may think that you are a a pretty middle-of-the-road guy, but let me tell you something. That was a revolutionary concept back in 1776. A revolutionary concept. And if you believe in that, in many ways you're a revolutionary. Cold days at Valley Forge, men fought and died so that we could be free. Through bloody battles of Bull Run, Gettysburg, Shiloh, men fought for what they believed in. You know, uh, when I was in seminary, one of my my assignments uh, in a preaching class was to to take a subject and, and, and find out what preachers said during a certain historical time period about that subject. And, and from the time of Christ all the way to the present, I had the, I had the subject of war. And, 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 you know, we look at things now and we say, well, those guys were misguided or those guys were misguided. I want you, I want you to know that not until World War I, through the history of all mankind, did anybody ever have preachers say that their side wasn't righteous. Okay. The preachers in the South said, we're right. The preachers in the North said, we're right. God is on our side. And, you know, it was interesting. Even Abraham Lincoln said that, that one side must be wrong and both sides might be wrong. In other words, God can't be on both sides and he might not be on either side. But, but we've always felt like that God, you know, was on our side or our preachers felt like that. But men fought for what... They believed in 1918, you had the Doughboys, you know, and they went over there and they all knew that the Yanks were coming to help defeat the Kaiser and keep Europe free. In World War II, from the deserts of of North Africa, the beaches of Normandy, Iwo Jima, Saipan, Americans fought and they died. From the biting cold of Korea to the tropical jungles of Vietnam, Americans have given their lives in the deserts of Kuwait, Iraq, and the mountains of Afghanistan, even today, you have young men and now young women that are giving their lives because they believe in freedom. We have a great heritage as Americans, and, and we don't need to forget that. And, 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 and yes, I'll be going out and buying a flag because I believe that that's important. We do have a great heritage as Americans. And, there, and there's nothing wrong with being thankful for the sacrifices that have been made so that we could live the way we do. You need to understand we have a great heritage as Baptists. Now, I know that, that we don't have Baptists in our name anymore, but your history is Baptist church. And, and you, are, uh, you, have Baptist, you, you have Baptist doctrine here. You believe the Bible is the Word of God. And we can, we can follow that all the way back to Martin Luther and the Reformation, the 95 Theses, uh, you know, hung on the, the church wall uh, there in Germany. Ulrich Zwingli, uh, you know, was one of the young bucks of the Reformation that, that, that went against the, uh, the corruption of the Catholic Church. Then you had the theology of the Anabaptists, the, the church. You know what the Anabaptists said? They had some radical ideas, some, some revolutionary ideas. You know what those ideas were? That number one, you weren't really a part of the church unless you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You couldn't be born in the church. You had to accept Christ as your Savior to really be a part of the church. You were baptized only after conversion, not before conversion. Salvation was by faith alone. 
that it wasn't by works, that you didn't, that you didn't become a Christian by, by earning your way to heaven. You know the biggest difference between Islam and Christianity in, in the practice of its people? In Islam, you have to earn your way to heaven. In Christianity, it's God's grace that gives us a place in heaven because He loves us. The Bible is the sole authority. What a revolutionary concept. Because you had all the church councils and you had the edicts of the Pope that came down. And, and, and for, for people to stand up and say, no, 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 no. We're not going to believe in men. We're going to believe in the Word of God. What a revolutionary concept. That's part of your history. That's part of your heritage. That's part of your DNA. People that stood up for these beliefs. Revolutionary ideas. Then let's go to the English Baptist, Thomas Helwes. He wrote a, 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 a treatise called The Mystery of Iniquity. And, and it challenged the Church of England. And uh, he, it was a plea for religious liberty. It was a plea to say, how, just let people worship as they want to worship. Let them worship as they choose. Uh, you know... Look, I grew up with the King James Version of the Bible. I bet you did too. You may still have it. It's beautiful language and all that. But you need to understand that King James did not like your ancestors as Baptists. In fact, he threw Thomas Helwes in jail and he died in prison. And the reason he died in prison was because he said, people ought to have the right to worship as they choose. King James didn't like that. Threw him in jail. John Merton wrote a, a treatise called A Humble supplication a humble supplication men ought to be able to worship as they want men ought to be able to worship as the dictates of their conscience tells them they should worship well he got thrown in jail and he died in Newgate prison that's part of your history that's part of your history the first two English speaking Baptist preachers the first two people to ever say in English that the government has no right to interfere in religion both died in prison that's part of your heritage. That's part of your heritage. And so we have a great heritage, you know. We have a great heritage. And so we have a great, we have a great heritage there. Then, then let's go to the first Baptists in America. Massachusetts Bay Colony were Puritans, right? They were Puritans. You know what that name Puritan comes from? That name Puritan comes from they believed that the Church of England had the right kind of theology, but the Church of England had been corrupted. So guess what? They wanted to purify the church, right? That's how they became Puritans. And they found out they couldn't do it over in England because the, the king wasn't going to let them do it. So they came to the new country to worship God as they chose to worship. But guess what? They didn't believe in religious liberty. If you didn't believe in the theology of the Church of England, you got put in stocks and thrown in jail. There was no religious liberty in the, in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. It was believe as the Puritans or go to jail. And so guess what? The first Baptist preacher in the United States of America, or many people say is the first Baptist preacher, a guy by the name of Roger Williams. Roger Williams wrote a treatise. It was called The Bloody Tenant. And then he wrote another one. It was, guess what it was called? The, the bloody tenant, bloodier still, you know? And, and he was trying to make this point that, that men ought to be able to worship as they choose. And so he went, and st after he got out of jail, he went to Providence, Rhode Island, 
And he started the First Baptist Church of Providence, Rhode Island. And guess what? Rhode Island was a place where Roger Williams said, you know what, you can worship with us, you can worship with the Puritans, you can worship with anybody else, or you can choose not to worship at all. But we believe you ought to have the freedom to choose. That's part of our heritage as Baptists. That's part of your heritage. That's part of your heritage. And so then... After that, let's go a few more years later, and you've got Virginia Baptists. Baptists uh, in Virginia had seen how every single time the church and the government were too closely aligned, guess who lost? The church lost. The government always overpowered the church. And so Virginia Baptists fought to get religious liberty in the United States Constitution. And the first, the very... Look it up. The very first amendment to your United States Constitution guarantees religious liberty due largely to the work of Virginia Baptists. You know, they didn't play fair. (laughs) You know, they went to a couple of our founding fathers and they said, look, we've got these other guys over here uh, that that would really love to to go to Continental Congress and we're going to run against you and we're going to beat you unless you promise us that you will fight for religious liberty in the Constitution. I guess that was the first Baptist political pack. I don't know, you know, think about it. But anyway, but they believed in it enough that they fought for it. That's part of your heritage. So we have a great, we have a great Christian heritage, uh, and we have a great, we have a great American heritage, we have a great Baptist heritage, and, and guys, we have a great Christian heritage. And today, I want to ask you, how much are you embracing your heritage. Are you a Christian just because you call yourself one? Are you a Christian because you, you know, your, your grandparents were one, or you, you know, you grew up in the church, or have you really, really had a moment in your life where you realized you were a sinner and you came before God in honesty and openness and said, "Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior." And I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I want to accept your forgiveness. And I want to be born again to a new kind of life. And I want to live the life that you have called me to live. I heard the, uh, I think I told you all this, I don't know. A guy was speaking the other day and, and, and you know, Dave, you know, we preachers, we feel like we've heard everything, right? So when you hear something new, it's, 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 and, and, and maybe you'd heard this before too, but, but this guy was making a big deal out of how God doesn't have any grandchildren. He doesn't have any grandchildren. He has children, but he has no grandchildren. You see, we don't become Christians just because our parents were Christians. We become Christians because we decide for ourselves that we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And so, you have a great heritage as Americans, and we ought to celebrate that heritage. You have a great heritage as Baptists. You ought to celebrate that heritage. You have a great heritage as Christians. And and more than your American heritage and more than your Baptist heritage, you need to live each and every day the legacy that Jesus Christ has left us as his children. And what is that? Let's look at our scripture again. He says... My command is this, love each other 
as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command. Wow. <laughs> you know, I preached a couple of weeks ago here. And I said that there was a couple of things that I think we really needed to do. Because, because you know, Jesus said we needed to do them. They were kind of commands. And that's what we ought to do. And, and quite honestly, somebody in the church came to me and said, I think you're being legalistic. I think you're being legalistic. I, I don't, I'm not sure that we ought to have to do those things. And I said, that's all fine and good, but Jesus commanded us to do them. And, and, and so if that's being legalistic, then I'm being legalistic. Because, you know, commands are not suggestions. They're commands. And we're supposed to follow our Lord Jesus Christ's commands. Greater love has no this than they lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. And said, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father. I have made known to you. Listen to this. You did not chose me, but I chose you. And appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. You hear what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, look, man, I... I chose you, but I didn't chose you to do nothing. I chose you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will remain. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Pretty simple question. Are we really followers of Jesus Christ if we don't love? I mean, are we really followers if we don't if we don't take his commands seriously and 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 love one another? Look, I'm not nobody's perfect, amen. And and, and none of us are perfect at loving, you know. But but I don't know how many times when I was a pastor, you know, I would preach on love, and somebody would say, you know, that's just not me. That's not how I was brought up. That's not who I am. Well, I'm sorry, but you know, when, when, when you became a Christian, the Bible says that you became a new creation. That old things passed away and all things became new. And, and God will help you love. He'll help you. He'll teach you. In fact, I think it's in, in, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul's talking about how, how we can literally be theodidactoi, taught by God to love. Can God do everything? Well, then he can teach us to love if he says he can. You know? And so, so are we really following him if we don't love? See, because th this, is a, this is an issue that, that quite honestly, I, I feel like, look, I'm pretty conservative in, in my theological viewpoints, but I know a lot of people that are conservative that believe the Bible, and they're really, really good at the thou shalt nots. Hear what I'm saying? They're, good. They're not going to do what the Bible says not to do. Thou shalt not do this. I ain't going to do it, preacher. <laughs> thou shalt not do that. I ain't going to do it, preacher. But what about the thou shalts? What about the thou shalts? What about the... You're to love each other. You're to care for each other. You're to, you're to pray for each other. You know, well, maybe we're not quite as good at the thou shalts as the thou shalt nots. And I think Jesus was pretty serious about both. I think he wanted us to do both. 
Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friends. You know, this, this, this word friends here does not denote a casualness. It, it denotes a friendship that is deep. It's a, it's a rich tapestry. It's, 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 it's not just a, you know, a surface kind of thing. It's, it's, it's something that means something. It denotes love. It denotes care. Love each other, he says. And so I come back this morning and I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do people really love each other? Yes. Yes. We as Christians ought to really love each other. We ought to really care about each other. We, we ought to... We ought to care and, and carry each other's burdens and, and what? So fulfill the law of Christ. We care about each other. Yes, they really do. People really give their lives for each other? Yes, they do. They still do in our world today. They still do. Americans have, Baptists have, Jesus did. And Jesus asked us to give up our lives for him on a daily basis. And we don't know what that's going to mean on a daily basis. If we give our lives to him on a daily basis, that just means we are open and willing to do whatever he calls us to do, whatever he asks us to do, even if it's not something that naturally I would do. You know what I found out? I found out that the greatest blessings that God has blessed, the, the times when I feel like God has blessed me more than any other time in my life is when I've been taken out of my comfort zone and I've done something in the name of Jesus that old Dal Loftus would not have done on his own. I would not have done it. But because I felt like Jesus wanted me to, I did it. That's the greatest blessings of all. That's the greatest blessings of all. When we die to ourselves, when we take up our cross, when we follow Him. You know, you can be American by birth. <laughs> Heck, you can even be Baptist by birth, you know. We used to kid that, that I was Baptist nine months before I was born, you know. Because when my mama got pregnant, they put me on the cradle roll. And they said, he's a coming, you know. He's a coming, and we better make a space in the nursery. You know? But you can't be a Christian without being born again in faith in Jesus Christ. You have to give your life to Jesus, to the friend who has already given his life for you. Are you part of that kingdom? I'm not being legalistic here, guys. I'm just telling you the truth. Truth is that you must admit you're a sinner. You must understand that you cannot be right with God in and of your own power. You must realize that your only hope of being right with God and having salvation is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That He died on the cross for your sins that He rose again victoriously on the third day, that He sits at the right hand of the Father, even now making intercession on your behalf, that He calls you to repentance. He calls you to submission to Him. He loves you. The battle has been won. The price has been paid. All you have to do is accept His gift of salvation. But make no mistake, you must accept it. 
You cannot reject it and walk in his grace. You cannot say no to him and walk in his grace. You must accept him as your Savior and your Lord. Great heritage in Americans. Let's not forget that. Great heritage as Baptists. Let's not forget that. Great heritage as people that believe in Jesus Christ. Are you part of that group? Because you have to choose to be a part of that group. One of these days, we're all going to, those of us that have accepted Christ are going to be up in heaven. And we're going to enjoy each other's company even more than we do now. But I believe this with all of my heart. That we as Christians could enjoy that kind of rich fellowship here on this earth much more than we do. If we would only love each other and love God the way he's called us to do so. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I hope that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And he lets you know what he wants you to do. I believe this. I, I believe that when I get to heaven, there are going to be folks there. That I'm going to be surprised they're there. Be surprised they're there. You're, you made it? You made it? You're here? Wow. Didn't know that. And I'm going to look around and there's going to be some folks that aren't there. Because they never ever really accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Made Him Lord of their lives. I can't look into your heart this morning. All I can do is ask you to listen to the Spirit speaking to you. If you're part of the family of God, oh my goodness, thank Him and, and, and praise Him for what He's done in your life and what He's doing in your life. But if you can't look back on a time when God has really changed your life and He's not working in your life now, maybe you need to take a good hard look and have I ever come to that place where I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior?